When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Jillian Pensavalli. I'm the creator and host of both the Hamilcast and True Crime Obsessed, and you're listening to OPP. God bless and welcome to another episode of OPP, America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Jillian Pensavalli, host of the amazing podcast, Hamilcast, and True Crime Obsessed. Hamilcast is a weekly podcast where she interviews amazing people who are involved in the hit Broadway show, Hamilton. For her second show, True Crime Obsessed, with co-host Patrick Hind, they do weekly funny recaps of your favorite true crime documentaries. In this interview, I sit down with Jillian and we chat about our love for Queer Eye and the real world, how she got into podcasting, we get into her podcaster's picks, and of course, we chat about her dope show, Hamilcast and True Crime Obsessed. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to Jillian Pensavalli. All I hear is, is myself and my ears, my, my headphones me? all the time. Yeah, I can hear you. There we go. Now we're in. Yeah. We're in the zone. Oh, my God. So we're sitting talking about Queer Eye. Yeah. And the, <laughs> and the dog that I just saw like a mirage just walked back behind you in the opposite direction. Oh, man. His name is Rocky. We fell in love Yo. on my way back from the bathroom. He, he's chill. He's the vibe. He is. He's an older pup. I can tell. But he has like a young spirit totally yeah i love him i was of course whenever i see a dog i just stop and i'm like <gasps> i was rocky on the floor up? immediately rocky's kind of like, like that old man but when he sees like two hot chicks approach him he gets sure. all like fired up yeah but not in a creepy way he was like cool with it and i was i was like i the thing that i didn't say was like rocky please i never got I was, that like, same reaction rocky. from rocky though <laughs> <laughs> Hey. Like I see Rocky, he does not respond to me the same way. I know. If we're going to talk about Game of Thrones, we can talk about how I'm House Stark and part wolf. It's a whole <laughs> thing, Corey. I don't know how deep you want to go. How, how much time do we have? We have a while. All right, cool. We have a while. And then we're going to get a drink after this. All right. And if, if time goes over, we'll order their drinks here. There we go. Because welcome to New York City. Yeah, I, I like the way you think. Right? Come on. I've been podcasting for a long time. How long have you been podcasting for? <laughs> uh, God. Th- almost, uh, three years? Three years. Okay. Over three years. Yeah. That's all, that's amazing. It's crazy. So Jillian Pins, Pinsavali. Yeah. It reminds me of like a character from uh, a Bronx tale. Oh, <laughs> I am from Queens. See, there we go. My, uh, my mom's, my mom and my mom's family are from the Bronx. See, I knew it. I know. The last name was like, yo, you're from like, but it's like old school Bronx. Well, my dad's full name is Attilio Sebastian Pensavali. Wait, say that again. Attilio. Attilio? Sebastian. Sebastian? Pensavali. Pensavali. Yeah. And my mom is Barbara Gill. Like, she's super Irish. So I'm half Italian and half Irish. And whenever I tell anyone that, they're like, whoa. And I'm like, what's the problem? Yeah, y- your name sounds like you come from like a better time. Like, like <laughs> from like, from like, remember the Outsiders? Yes. With, oh like, my God. Pony of course. Boy yeah. And, yeah. Stay gold, right? Yeah. You're like Pony Boy's girlfriend. Oh, okay. I haven't read that book in a long time. I don't even think I read it when I was supposed to in school, really? but I saw the movie. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I did see the movie, uh, the, the book, uh, Essie Hinton, Essie yeah, yeah. Hinton, uh, the author. Yeah. I have, um, ADHD if you have not grasped that. So before I, I was diagnosed when I was 18. So before that reading things in school was a little difficult for me, but the outsiders was one that I definitely attempted. And I think the first book I ever got through that school asked me to read was, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, which is like, come on. Oh, wait, wait, with, uh, the, from the movie, the Jack Nichols. No, it was the book first. And then it turned into a movie. Oh, I I didn't even know that was a book. Oh, that book is excellent. Really? Yeah. Damn. I had no idea. Yeah. Danny DeVito plays Martini in the movie. And then the dude who plays the young kid who's the virgin is, ends up being, uh, Doc Cochran in Deadwood. Oh shit. I, I saw the movie like one time when I was like 10, but I had no idea that it was a book. Oh, it's a great book. It's an excellent book. I haven't read a book in a while, actually, when I think about it. Yeah, it's hard. 
It, it is. I think podcasting kind of killed books. Yeah. When I say it's hard, I mean, like, if you edited that in the wrong way, it would make me sound <laughs> really horrible. But what I mean is, like, people are on audiobooks and, you know, like, read, like reading that way. Yeah. But it's hard for me because, one, with the ADHD, and two, I love having a book in my hands and working from home. I don't, like, I'm not on the subway a lot anymore. So when I am, it's only like 20 minute bursts. Right, right, right. So to read, like I would, I used to carry books around with me all the time when I read the Game of Thrones series, when I read Harry Potter, super late in the game. I like insisted on the actual paperback books. I think a book looks good. It's like, it's like vinyl. Yeah, like, totally. It, like is vinyl practical? No. No, but do I have a record player and like 300 records? You're yes. goddamn right, I do. Right, right. The same, and it looks good in your apartment. Right, in my teeny tiny apartment. Could I use the space? A zillion percent. Where, where are you living? On the Upper East Side. Oh, Upper East Side? Are you fancy? No, I'm not at all. I went to high school there, and it's not fancy at all. It's just full of dude bros and just... No, no. The, the, the Upper East Side, to me, just uh, represents peace and tranquility. <laughs> Same. It's very quiet. It kind of is. It's not very cool, and it's not very fancy. Right, like, but, but it's not cool in a good way. Yeah, no, totally. No, I'm, I'm with you. And right. it's not... I'm not on... A, I'm a little too East... To be fancy. So if you just walk a couple avenues over, you're like, that is $6 million. (laughs) I want to stare into your living room, not to be creepy, but I want to look into your living room window and like, see what you have going on in there. But the thing is, if you're living in the Upper East Side, Mm -hmm. none of your knucklehead homies are running through the hood. No. Like people just like hit me up like, yo, Corey, what's up? You're on my bed style. Yo, what's good? Oh, you're on bed style. Okay. Nah, I don't want to know what's good with you. No. Sometimes I see people that I went to high school with and I cross the street. Really? Yeah. Dude, that's so weird that I, I don't associate New York City at all with seeing people from high school. Where'd you grow up? I'm from Virginia, from Richmond, Virginia. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> wait, 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 but everyone here is from somewhere else. Well, yeah. some, Yeah. So not all of us. It's just crazy that like people that I meet folks who are like, oh, I saw someone I went to high school with or middle school with. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's only happened to me one time. And you're like, it's why I'm not living in Virginia anymore. But but is it the same association? Like the reason why I don't talk to the person in Virginia anymore, probably is because we just really grew apart. Uh, that's exactly why. But it's the same vibe here. Yeah, like I went to high school here, and I went to college here. I went to Fordham, and like I haven't been back to Fordham since my graduation day. And it's for no like it's just I'm in touch with the people I want to be in touch with. Right. I went to their weddings. They were invited to my wedding or whatever. And I'm just like I kind of can't handle with the like, so what have you been up to? There's another dog, a different dog that just passed what, a different you. dog? I think it's a corgi or a sheba, you know, I can't handle it. Oh, it's like a it's like a baby dingo. Oh gosh. Um so it's like I would have had that you would know. I'm not gonna do that whole like so what's what have you been up to for the last seven years? I don't know. I don't care you know what I'm saying? Right. Does that make me sound like a horrible no. person? I just don't have time for it. I mean, I think that once, I don't know, it's very difficult to, as, as you grow apart. Well, one thing is uh, interesting that coming from Virginia, you kind of grow out of touch with people just off geography. Sure. Right. Yeah. So then it's like, all right, well, I don't live there anymore. So where you're drinking, I'm not drinking at. Like who you're talking to, I'm not really talking to. Right. So you're you're here to tell me about the how social media is kind of not, does it really keep you in touch with all of your friends? Um, the algorithm does. Uh-huh. I hate that algorithm. <laughs> right. It's so bad. I mean, the algorithm does, that lets me know when I go on Facebook now, it's definitely more family oriented. So I'm not keeping up with my high school homies like that. Okay. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. And I keep up with the ones that I liked in high school. Right. But um, you like interact with them. The people you want to interact with, you do. Right. But I mean, also too, as, as you get older, people are more supportive. Like people are supportive of what I'm doing and my life here in New York City. So they'll leave me comments and messages. No, and, that's true. And and stuff like that. When you're when you're active and you're moving and you're doing things in the city and, yeah. um, you know, we're both producing content, they're, they'll follow along with what I'm doing a little more. Yeah. Do you ever get, I got an email, I get them periodically, but a recent one where I was kind of like, wait, what? Someone that I went to grade school with who I haven't seen since I was in eighth grade her one of her like best work friends is a listener of the Hamilcast. Really? <laughs> I was like, so when I saw that name in my email, I was like, oh, you know, so-and-so says hi. And I was like, wait, what? That's <laughs> rad. That's fucking rad. Like, I couldn't believe it. Wait, so what? we have to get back into our love for uh, Queer Eye. Oh, sure. So how did you get into Queer Eye? Because now, now I'm completely hooked. Oh, my God. Well, when it was first on Bravo back in the day with like Kyan and Ted, who is now like Ted was the... Ted was the Anthony. So Ted like is now on like every Bravo show. Okay. Carson Kressley was the JVN basically. I don't even know any of these people. Well, Jonathan Van Ness, of course, you know. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, Oh, no, no, no. Carson Kressley. No, Carson Kressley was the Tan France. And now he's like just 
someone who's like a stylist. I think he has like all these shows on all those like Is fashion Jonathan networks. Is Yeah. So Kyan, I think was the original one was okay. his name. Okay. Um, so yeah, I watched it cause my mom and I watched it and I grew up around LGBTQ people my whole life. And yeah. it was just something that, uh, I don't know that I was interested in and it was fun. And now, uh, we were just talking, actually watching the new season of it. It's so different because they give like, just like they set the people. Cause now it's not just straight dudes. It's like everyone, it's like trans people and lesbians right. and couples and right, right. like two straight sisters. Like it, it's just everybody. And they make it easier for them to succeed. Like I remember just thinking back and no shade to the first season. Cause the first season was like revolutionary and awesome. And if the first series didn't happen, not season, the, if the first series didn't happen, then we would not have the queer eye we have today. Right. But like, they would have like six different steps for the moisturizing routine. And of course the person would be like, um, like not know the order, what the order is. Like I wouldn't know the order of like what of, moisturizer of to put on. You know what I mean? And they'd be like, I know you hate florals, but we're putting you in florals. And they, the guy would be like, <laughs> uh, so now they just give them like, you're amazing. Exactly how you are. If you want to change, we're just going to elevate you a little bit. So they, it's just easier for them to walk out and whatever event they're they're walking into the, the anniversary party or the new business or whatever. It's just like I think it's a little easier. I think it, it, a lot of lessons were learned in Yo, the best way. I'd, I've teared up every single. Episode. Of course you did. Like hard. You're a living, breathing human. Like, of course. If you don't have. A, if you don't cry to queer eye, you're just not real. You're not a real man. And the thing you're is, you're not a real man. Totally you're crying the queer eye. Yeah, and the thing is, it is Saturday night, midnight, by yourself. Apps a zillion with that popcorn. A zillion percent with that popcorn. It is so formulaic, but I'm here for that formula of it's like the purest, most like I'm here for that repetitive. I think we need that goodness. Just give yes. give me that on repeat. Then whatever some like refreshing the Twitter feed and like everything is awful. Refresh. Everything is awful. No, no, no. Give me Anthony with an avocado and tan France with a French tuck and JVN <laughs> yeah, in his heels. Like he, I'm obsessed. He loves the French tuck for everybody. Yeah. And he said even this season, he was like, I gave them a French tuck. Everybody shut up. It just works. <laughs> like if it ain't broke. And I'm like, it, tan, yes. the official look of you may kind of have a mini gut. Let's give him a, any person with a mini gut, he gives them the French tuck. He gives actually, like, as far as I know, literally everybody a yes. French tuck. Well, everyone kind of has a mini gut. Well, no, I mean, there was this one woman, Jess, who was amazing, who Tan was like, your body's amazing. Also giving you a French tuck. Like, Wait, what, 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 was that Kansas City up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jess was, uh, and there, I think, I don't know if she was their first lesbian, but she was African-American and uh, she and Karamo had this like really amazing bonding oh, situation. Oh, wait, wait, wait. She's the one who was like adopted. She was kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Stopping Fear 10 jerker. minutes in. And she was like, I feel like I don't have a yes. family. And I'm like, Jess, girl, call me. Yes. I will totally be your family. Um, but she had like, like a gymnast body, right, even right. though she's not a gymnast. And Dan was like, Got that French talk for you, though. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, whatever works. Yo, much love to Karamo, too, because Karamo... Karamo rules. So, when, of course, my first discovery of Karamo was when he was on The Real World. <laughs> and every black person, right, every black man... Right. At this time, because we had, like, a couple of, like, knuckleheads. We had... Uh, the dude David who like slapped somebody like all the characters. Oh, and bought in uh, Seattle, right? With uh, Irene with, who had Lyme disease. Right, right, right. And, like, Ooh, he that the car. was horrible. And threw her teddy bear in the yeah. water. Oh, that's horrible. God. Horrible. Gut wrenching. So the characters within there was like the dude Cyrus from Boston. Oh my God. I have a lot to say about Boston's real world, but continue. Well, what do you have to say? Oh, remember Genesis and her Genesisms? I can't. Oh my God. God, and then remember, Genesis. And she, and like her genesisms would be like quotes that she found, like like famous, famous yes. quotes, and she'd put them all around the house. But it would be like, I have a dream, dash Genesis, <laughs> where it's like Genesis. <laughs> Blonde hair and blue eyes, you did not say that. Like, Boston stop was, quoting. Boston was my least favorite season. And then they remember, what's her name? Timber? Whatever her name was, or well, like I do, Yes, I do remember the name Timber, but what I think she was a girlfriend. But they they had to like go to like run a daycare and they just got hammered in the middle of the day or they were like drinking yeah. or something. Wait, my favorite. Okay. Boston was like my least, my least favorite season. Miami was, un, was good. Miami was oh, cool. with Dan. Yes. With Dan. But she opened like, did you look at my slides? You fucking bitch. That was amazing <laughs> with Flora. And oh, that was crazy. Oh, man, you're taking me all the way with Flora. I know. Yes. I know. Miami was good. Hawaii was like the pinnacle. Oh, that, that had tech. That had tech and Kaya. Ruthie. Ruthie. Oh, Ruthie. Ruthie was a train wreck. I know. I hope she's all right. I think she's fine. I hope she's good. I think she recovered well. 
but Karamo, I forgot that like, I didn't know that Karamo was on the real world or like it didn't, it didn't connect that it was the same Karamo oh. or maybe I'd stopped watching the real world by the time Karamo I mean, he took was the on black it. world by storm because every black woman was like my dream man. Here we have this like big, strong, brolic, super handsome man. And every woman was like, oh my God. Cause I think he came out the second episode. So I remember all the oh. girls at school being like, oh my God, is he Karamo from the real world? And then the, the reaction from the next day after the second episode right, was right. like every black girl was heartbroken at the school. Yeah. You're like, damn, we just like, well, well, an- <laughs> another one bites the dust, ladies. Another one just just out of out of the out of the pool for well, us. The, I, I don't think the, the other ones were ones that the girls are really crazy about. Like, I don't even know who's really. I can't even like they picture that cast. Like black chicks weren't really into tech like that. But he wasn't. Karamo wasn't in Hawaii. No, he was. No, Karamo was in a uh, like Philly or something, right? No, it wasn't Philly. Karamo was in. I don't, I don't even remember. I'm just guessing. Oh, now. I can't, I can't remember now. Oh. What was that new? Not New Orleans. No, New Orleans was with the guy. There was another gay guy, but they couldn't show his boyfriend. Remember? Cause he was in right. the military. That's right, right, like right, blur right, out right, of space. Right. Oh my God. I, I love you to death. Cause no, I, love, I, was, my, I was, my, was real world obsessed. I, I was watching it for like a little bit. Whoa, whoa. Philly. What did I say? Wow. Oh, only because I was like, I was like, what? I was like, what season was Karamo Brown in? Yo, we might have to start a real world podcast next. Yeah. Well, it's funny because my my husband Mike has like this weird like knowledge of the real world quotes like early like I'm talking season two or three okay and we were like little when that came out like I wasn't allowed to watch it you know like I was like a kid when it came out right right and I remember it was like around that time where like Dr. Drew had Loveline on uh, K-Rock which is a station I ended up working but Loveline became a TV show too on MTV totally but I'm talking about I was so young that I would listen to it on the lowest like my clock radio in my room it would be on like a two (laughs) And I'd be like right next to it, just like, oh, they can't hear it. And of course, they could have been on a six and they wouldn't have heard it downstairs. But your little kid ears, like, it feels so loud. It, it, oh my God. But that was a whole MTV thing, too. It's remarkable that we look back now. That was the first reality TV show. Oh, that first season was insane. Like, it's, it's reality. It's amazing to see how that has completely revolutionized the way that we watch television today. We don't get Queer Eye. Oh, without- for sure. The real world. And especially for San Francisco without um, Pedro and that and everything oh, in San Francisco. Uh, that, was, had, that was that was HIV. Yeah, that was groundbreaking. Oh, that was he was like 22 and just, you know, that was that was a real a real time look into what it was like for a gay man to be HIV positive and living and and struggling with and, it and, and, and on television. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, like that's. Well, the real world definitely. I, I got to give him credits. You I know, know what? Look, another uh, maybe we got to cook up a little. Oh more. God, I have so many, <laughs> I Corey. Well, I, look, I don't have time. You know, what? I was going to talk to you about that because I have two shows, and I know, holy fuck, it's oh, a yeah. lot. Like, how do you manage two shows? Um. Oh, it's. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's three now. So the Hamilcast, I started like three years ago. Okay. And so that's like just me. And then I started True Crime Obsessed with Patrick Hines probably around two years ago now. And that became my actual job, which is awesome. But it's completely different work than the Hamilcast. Right. Uh, And now my husband started a podcast called Ted and Michael Read Sketches into Microphones. And I'm producing, they're writing and doing everything for that. But I'm producing that because, you know, I know how to edit and I know where I'm like, you need a sound effect here. You need this and whatever. Right. Um, So, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a lot. I have a plan. I got really nerdy with like a handwritten planner. Yeah. Uh, I have to write everything down. I have lists for myself. Um, I say no to a lot of social things. Truly, like if you really honestly want to know how I do it, I say no to a lot of things. Um, I work a lot. I try to uh, have some kind of a schedule where I can make it work, but sometimes it's hard. Like 
it's nice to go outside. It's nice. It's nice to not have headphones on. It's nice to not be doing that. But at the same time, I'm such a workaholic and I love what I do so much where it's like, I don't need this glass of water. And Mike's like, that glass of water has not been touched for five hours. You need to like get up and walk around and have a glass of water. Like, so that's been something that I've been learning over these last three years. What was your career path before podcasting? I was doing, um, on camera hosting, like, uh, just like, Hey, here, you know, like here's some stupid thing that happened and then I'll talk about it for a minute. Okay. And it would like probably show up on your Facebook feed or something. So it was, was it was like digital for a network? Yeah. Yeah. It was a digital thing. I did some stuff for, uh, I did like sketch comedy stuff for MTV and comedy central, like, uh, important things with Dimitri Martin and human giant and that stuff like a zillion, zillion years ago. And then I started doing this on camera. Yeah. Like digital, like news in air quotes, but it was like, here's what some dumb criminal did in Florida today. Or like, here's what happened on Game of Thrones last night. Or here's this adorable dog. Like I was working for a company where I was like, here's what I'm not talking about. The Kardashians, politics. Um, I'm just going to try to, I don't know, like fun, funnier, fluffy things, I guess. Um, And so I was doing that. I was writing the scripts and going on camera and then editing them. And so that's how I learned how to edit. And it's why I edit my podcasts in Final Cut Pro, because that's where my muscle memory is. Yeah. Uh, Which is crazy. I was just talking to someone else who does the same thing. Really? Right. Just because of the muscle memory of using Final Cut. They're like, why would I use? I just know how to edit in There's someone else in the world who does that. Every time I say that, someone's like, you're a crazy person. No, no. I wish I could remember who exactly it is. Give me like five minutes or hit me. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, because it's the muscle. And if if there's audio that's really like bad, like someone's really far away from the mic and a low talker and I have to boost them or like the, the radiator in my apartment is hissing or there's like, I don't know, something weird. Like I can put it into other programs to fix it. Okay. But the actual editing of it, like the, the muscle memory of the blades and the cuts and the fades and the blah, blah, blah. blah that's all final cut. Uh, but did you, were you going to school at Fordham for journalism? No, I went for communications. Okay. Which is like journalism in a, in a way. Yeah. 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 But not <laughs> journalism. Like th- that company always wanted me to say I was a journalist and I'm like, I'm not, I like make, I like make videos that are just like, this dog is cute. And Jon Snow is alive. I read the books. I t- I'm telling you he's alive. <laughs> he's not dead. I was like, I'm not a journalist. Like I, cause I don't want to be, I respect them, but that's, that was never like, a passion of mine. Yeah. Um, and also Final Cut is in my muscle memory because I made a web series with Mike uh, called The Residuals about our experiences uh, auditioning for um, commercials. And it's an insane world. So to be in this industry or any kind of creative thing, you have to make your own thing, as as you know. And so we made this web series and we like hired our friends and we did two seasons of it. And I'm like a SAG signatory producer and we did it from the ground up. Wow. Uh, how did you discover podcasting? Was there a particular show that you like fell in love with first? <laughs> no. Uh, well, the show is Hamilton. So I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't have equipment for podcasts. I listen to serial because I'm in the world. Um, but I, the ADHD makes it really hard because I'm really visual. Yeah. So it's hard for me to listen to podcasts even now. Um, I have pod- so many podcasts on my, on my queue and things that I love and adore, but it takes me a long time because I'm always rewinding and always going back because I'm missing things. Well, I'm not focused. Also, do you find that it's difficult to listen when you're always making? Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's nice to have like headphones not in. Right. Or even, right. even yeah, even when I'm home and cooking because I love cooking. It's like such a decomp- decompressing meditative thing for me. It's still hard because I'm still... Um, yeah, I think exactly what you're saying. Like, I'm just so in that podcast world where it's like, I just want to watch something. I just want to watch like Schitt's Creek. Right, you know, right, like right. I just you completely just want to just do imbi- something else. Right. Like I make music too. And when I make music, I can't listen to other people's music. Oh, really? Right? I, I can't. I can't enjoy going to a concert. Why is that? Is that because you're thinking like of all the things that you you would have done? Um, I think that number one, when you are in the industry of music, like you don't want to go to the show and just be a fan. Like you, you're looking at the show and you're looking at the lighting. You're looking at mm-hmm. um, the performer. What kind of mic are they using? Yeah. Uh, the DJ. Like what kind of gear is he using? Like where's the manager? Like where you want to wow. just go? You're going back there really just wanting to work right. and network, and you can never go back there as a fan again. So like there's certain things that I love. Like I love sports. I never want to touch anything in the world of sports. Uh huh. That's the only thing I have to escape. Yeah. You know I don't feel that way so much with podcasting. Maybe because I don't listen 
to that yeah. many. But I remember when we were doing the residuals, it was hard for me to like watch something because I was creating something visual. It was a web series. Right, right. So I would think like, they should have cut to that other person in that two shot or they should have like to watch something. And Mike would be like, you have been editing all day. Like, can you relax? And I'm like, no, that's the thing. Like I just, we just want to watch whatever show we were up to, whatever episode we were up to in our show. But I'd be like, uh, you could see, do you hear that? That's the Mike Russell or whatever. Like it, I was so in it that I was like, this is bad. This is so bad. You get the itch with podcasting as like as a, a producer and editor. Like, uh, yeah, it, of course. I mean, Cause, just cause I will listen to another show and be like, you know, mm. I would have asked or now it's hard for me to listen to other. I listen to podcasts all the time, but now I get upset when someone doesn't ask the question that I wanted them to ask. Are you yelling it to your iPhone or into the I, ether? I, I, it, it irks me. Yeah, it, it definitely irks me when someone doesn't ask a particular question of someone that I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. And like, why didn't you ask that fucking question? Mm-hmm. It bothers me now. Yeah. So I can't now, I even can't even enjoy it as. <laughs> as like a spectator, so to speak. Right, right, right. You're just always thinking about what would you, what would you do? No, it's hard when you're, when you're so in it. Absolutely. It's tough. That's why I listen to podcasts. Like I don't listen to anything like the podcasts I make, you know, like right. I, I listen to undisclosed, which is excellent. Cause that's Robbie Chaudhry and Susan Simpson and Colin Miller. They're amazing. But that's like, that's nothing like the Hamill cast or true crime obsessed or Ted and Michael, like, Nothing. So com- coming from uh, making being an on-air host uh, on social media and stuff, like how did you want to start your own podcast? Um, so I was re- I heard about the show called Hamilton back in October of 2015, and I hadn't seen it. And my best friend Ashley said, uh, "You got to listen to this thing." And Ashley and I, you know, grew up here. We were, went to high school on the Upper East Side, and we were always the you know the goofy theater kids always, you know, singing along to everything and just reference speaking and references. And when Ashley says, you got to listen to this, you just listen to Ashley. She's the greatest human. Um, so I remember we were in a, in the car going to see Mike in a performance of waiting for Godot and she played Hamilton and that was October, 2015. Cause it just came out on NPR. And so by January, 2016 um, with zero podcasting equipment, and having not really listened to podcasts at all, I started a podcast about Hamilton in my living room. <laughs> Wait, so, so what inspired? Because I was talking about it with Ashley and another friend of mine. And I just thought I was like, if I'm talking about this constantly. And so Mike is a hip hop nerd and a history nerd, but he was not engaging me in the way that I would like. And I say this in the most loving way because he's like, I just want to see it. Like it's the biggest thing in the world. And a lot of people feel this way to this day. Right, right. They're not going to listen to Hamilton. And sometimes people feel this way with Broadway shows. I don't want to listen to it until I see it. I want the full experience. And so that was Mike until Queen Michelle Obama was like, it's the best piece of art I've ever seen ever. And then Mike turned to me after months of hosting this podcast in my living room. He was like, Michelle Obama says it's the greatest thing ever. She has access to everything in the Smithsonian. Maybe I should listen to Hamilton. And I was like, this is what I've been saying. Um, and then I wanted to like watch him listen to it. It was a bad idea. It didn't happen. Uh, but I was like, when, like, wait till I get home. And he was like, no, I'm just going to listen to it by myself. And then we can talk later. Um, but yeah, we, I was talking, we were on this group text and I just kept talking about it. And it was like this fire, this urge that I truly had never felt before. I was like, no one has a podcast about Hamilton. I'm going to make a podcast about Hamilton. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to make a podcast about Hamilton for better or worse. Yeah. And having not seen it, I was like, maybe this will lead to me seeing it. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, that's the thing about creativity. I always tell folks, it's that idea that's like an it's a it's an itch that you cannot stop. Even though you scratch it, it just come, keeps coming back. Like you just can't not do it. Yeah, I, I never felt that before. Like, like for the residuals, it made sense. Like Mike and I, I mean, Mike is an actor and a writer, and like went to school for acting. And I had been on camera a bunch, and we were like, well, that makes sense, right? To like make a web series, it made sense for us at the time. Yeah. But for me, who didn't listen to podcasts or have any podcasting equipment, like that drive to like, if I don't make a podcast tomorrow. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I had the idea on a Tuesday and by Saturday, the first two episodes completely unedited were up. Wow. And so uh, <laughs> how has, um, what, what have been some of the highlights for you in, in your show thus far, Hamilcast? Um, when Lin-Manuel Miranda asked if he could come over, that was a really big deal. Hey, how'd that happen? He, uh, so I've been making episodes for, uh, I guess maybe it was 
maybe a year and a half. And he's, he's a busy guy. And for that year and a half, he was incredibly busy. He was finishing his last year at Hamilton. He was taking a much needed, cause he worked on Hamilton for seven. He wrote, it took him seven years to write it. And then it was off Broadway. And then it was on Broadway and then the Tonys. And so he took like a six month like hiatus, like a, an actual, a real true vacation. Uh, and then he like went to London to make Mary Poppins. So it was, there was a lot for him going on. And about an, a year and a half into making the podcast, he followed the podcast. And I had been saying since, so I, I launched it in January of 2016. And I'd been saying from the very beginning, because Lynn used to do this thing where he would say, he might still do it, but when someone was trying to get his attention on Twitter or like something viral about Hamilton happened and everyone, because he has a zillion followers, everyone was like, Lynn, you have to see this, you have to see this. He would say, all right, I see you blank. So I said, either on the podcast, you can go back, the receipts are there, or to like my mom or to whoever, like some stranger on the street. I was like, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get a tweet from Lin-Manuel Miranda and it's going to say, I see you at the Hamilcast. And then in May of 2017, I did. And I was like, it was like at Lin-Manuel followed you back mentioned by Lin-Manuel. I see you at the Hamilcast. I loved your episode with uh, shockwave. I hope you enjoyed the show last night. Cause he heard I was at Hamilton the night before. So I could have DM'd him cause he followed me back, but I didn't. So I just replied like some West wing, you know, heart Toby hand on the heart gif. Like, thank you so much for the love and whatever. Um, and then I just kept doing what I was doing because he's a busy guy. And if he listens, then he knows that on many of the episodes, I was like, hey, Lynn, you know, whenever you want to come over, like, call me, you know, I was, <laughs> right, I, right, right. And, and I say that to everybody, any ensemble member, anyone just like, hey, you know, like Sandy, uh, who's running the lighting on Broadway, like, come over, you have an open invitation. That's I'm very, very transparent about that. So I'm like, he knows he's not in the country right now. He totally knows I'm not going to, I'm not going to DM him. It just didn't feel right. It just didn't, my gut was saying like, just leave it. So then in August, when he was like on on a well-known like Twitter hiatus, which is rare for him, like he's on Twitter all the time. So when he's not, everyone's like, <gasps> like, how do we deal with it? And I'm like, hey, we go on with our lives. Everyone's going to be just fine. It's, it's OK. And he messaged me and he said, OK, I just get a DM at Lynn, Manuel, at Lynn underscore Manuel. OK, I loved your episode with Mandy. Gun- I loved your episode with Mandy Gonzalez. I think I'm ready let's talk in September, question mark. So I got up. I've told the story a hundred times, but I got up in my apartment and Mike saw my face. Like I saw ghosts and he was like, what? I was like, Lynn, Lynn just messaged. And Mike was just like, when is he coming over? So I like got up and I stood on the back of a chair and I did like a stretch. Like I actually grounded myself, truly. (laughs) Like I put both my feet on the floor and I was like, he just invited himself, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who made the thing about the thing that I made once just invited himself over. So I said, uh, I don't know. I, I wrote and deleted a whole bunch of responses to try to sound as like totally chill. And I am like team no chill a zillion percent. Uh, so I was like, mm, September sounds fine. Like what, when do you, what are you thinking? And so the thing about my podcast for the Hamilcast at least is I record it in my living room. So if you are going to come over and do the Hamilcast, you're coming over to my place. Right, right. So it's very rare that I'll go to the Richard Rogers theater or go somewhere else to record. Like that's, that's kind of is out of, I mean, I mean, Mike and I went to Vegas to record with the whole Philip company. So that's different to see a different tour, Right, right. but like if Alex Lackamore can come over, like everyone can come over. So I, I kind of planted that seed. I was like, Oh, okay. Like what is Lynn going to say? Like Lynn is like, it's like, Star Wars being the biggest thing ever and like Mark Hamill or like Harrison Ford in 1970, whatever, being like, hey, can I come over and hang out? Like, it's that's how big well, the Memo Miranda is. I, I was even going like Andrew Lloyd Webber. No, for sure. For sure. Andrew Lloyd Webber of our era. Yeah, it's like Stephen Sondheim being like, hey, crib. what's up? Yeah, 100%. So I was tr- I was a little like, okay, so um, September works. <laughs> Like, let me check my calendar, Lynn. Like, all right, like you can come over tomorrow. But I was like, oh, September works because, you know, we will be out of what I call the heat dome by then. Because, you know, I can't have an air conditioner on. Oh, great. So when, when he says when he says in August, talk in September, I'm like, great. And New York, September is still hot. But I'm like, OK, so it was just a way to say, all right, by September, maybe we'll be out of the heat dome, meaning like you're coming over. Right. Like I kept giving him all these outs like no, 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 I need to be in public. I need witnesses, whatever. He's coming over my home. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, And he never, he was just like, okay, like what day, you know, 
Sure. And then, uh, so in September, I remember it was like Memorial day weekend. I had a, in my, my handwritten calendar that I like live by, I wrote on September 10th, follow up with Lin-Manuel Miranda. And the day before he just texted me and just said, how's Thursday. (laughs) Incredible. So I got up out of bed. I read it in bed and Mike says, he says it on the episode with Lynn that I did like the undertaker, just like straight up, just sitting in bed. And Mike was like, when is he coming? Like Mike just read my mind and read the whole thing. I was like, he's coming over on Thursday. I was like, Thursday works. What time? And he was like one. I was like, great. And then it was just like, and we were off and running. I saw, uh, that I think it just listened to the episode. I saw there was like a multi, uh, multi part. Yeah, I do that a lot on the Hamill cast yeah. because well, I listened to the the uh, Thomas. Oh, Tommy Kale. Yes, oh, um, he's the best. So yeah, so tell me more about like the interview. Like, were you obviously were you? Kind oh, of I was. A, yeah, no, I clean. <laughs> well, here's the thing: everyone gets the same treatment. Like from the beginning, it's always been like someone from Hamilton wants to come over to my house and talk to me on their one day off which is a Monday night or whatever it is. Cause they, they have eight shows a week and they're in Hamilton. And especially when the podcast was first starting out, it was the biggest thing in the world. Like they just won all the Tonys and it still is. But at that point, like when people would want to come over, they truly didn't have any time. And when you're on Broadway, you never have any free time. So for someone to be like, Hey, can I come hang? And then they do on their one night off their one night to go actually socialize or do whatever they want to do. They're coming over. Everyone gets the same like scrubbing, cleaning treatment. Everyone gets, you know, what kind of cocktail do you want? Because I make a custom cocktail for everybody. So I ask like, what do you love to drink? What oh, do you damn. hate to drink? Are we coming to your spot? Uh, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> um, so everyone gets the same treatment. So it's funny, like when people are like, what did you do for Lynn? I'm like the same thing I did for woman five who came over and man two. And you know, the, this, everyone gets the same treatment because it's, so amazing to me that people involved in the show would even want to come over to like to my house for this little podcast my apartment for this little podcast did uh, i'm always amazed because it's something that i wasn't aware of until i got into the world of podcasting how has it been um with your show i always say when you want to start a show think of your show like a tattoo Mm -hmm. right like when you get a tattoo you want to have it for a lifetime so think about your podcast the same way yeah right because this is how people are going to know you for as long as you continue on mm-hmm. with this with this brand, how has Hamblecast and creating that show uh, helped your life or your brand or your career and help shift you as an expert in this field? Yeah, expert. I, I'm going to shift away from the word expert. Or, 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 wait, wait, I'm so sorry. No, I'm don't not, not going to use the word expert. I'm going to say the, the word voice. Like now you are a voice in the community of Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Well, that that. That is amazing. That is something when people say, you know, when when they join the company, because now, you know, the Hamilcast started where people were coming into the show and they'd been involved in the show for a long time. And now over these three years, there are people who are like, I was a fan of the show and a fan of your podcast. And then I got cast in the show and now I'm here on your couch. And that's crazy. But in terms of like what the Hamilcast has done, like it led me to my, you know, Patrick Hines, who I do True Crime Obsessed with, who's been doing theater podcasts forever. He did Theater People and Broadway Backstory, which is an excellent podcast. Um, And because we sort of bonded, we made True Crime Obsessed and that's my livelihood now. So podcasting is my actual job. Yeah. And he he has said, he said something that I, I quote all the time because I think it's so important. It's like, you have to let whatever the show is grow into what it's meant to be. So the Hamilcast day one is not the Hamilcast episode 164, whatever it right. is, you know, like, and you have to let it grow and evolve. And sometimes those changes might be hard. There might be growing pains, but if it's right for the show and if it's right for something that you've committed so much time and effort and learning, like the things I've learned about like humans and editing and audio and engineering and, you know, headphones, you know, like from everything, it's such a learning process. And so even true crime obsessed, like, Patrick and I started as something different. Like we were going to solve the Zodiac and now we're a comedy podcast. <laughs> so like, it's yeah. just, we, you have to sort of let it evolve and, and let go of, of what you think it's going to be. And I think for whatever reason, I didn't really have, I was like, I'm going to do the Hamill cast forever. So I didn't have a, like, this is what it has to be always, which I think is something that people can maybe get a little, not, I don't want to use the word trapped because that seems a little too harsh, but people sort of, paint themselves into a corner. Mm. Like, I think goals are amazing. 
and you should have them. But if one goal isn't working for you, it's totally fine to shift and go to a different corner. Like that's okay. And I feel like sometimes people think like, well, if it's not exactly what I had in my head, then it's a failure. And that is so not true. Right, right. It's, it's called uh, pivoting. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you see that a lot of times in business too. Like it, it's not just a podcast thing. It's across every, in every business, the fear of pivoting. Truly. You know, not always say people always want to uh, say, oh, it's all about your hard work. And it's not true. It's really about your vision. Like, yeah. you, like and that's a part of the pivoting process. Like, how is your vision? Can you forecast a change happening before the change comes? Right. And that change is OK. Like if that if you've had the same vision since you were eight. And now that vision is changing. I think people sometimes wonder, like, what did I do wrong that that vision is changing? But I'm like, no, something in you is telling you that the vision is changing. Like, it's okay. And speaking of a, a, another vision, like, how did you come up with Truth Crime Obsessed? <laughs> and, 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 and were were you uh, daunted about the idea? Because I know I certainly was of having a second podcast. Oh, yeah. Of like, holy shit. Like, yeah. How do I tackle this? So at one point, well, it's it's... There are two very different jobs, right? So the Helmelcast, I'm like scheduling and producing and editing and hosting. And, you know, Mike, Mike is, is on, um, as much as, as much as he <laughs> wants to be on the Helmelcast. Uh, he's on so many episodes, but you, the production is all me a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but true crime obsessed is a little different. So we're like, we're watching true crime documentaries and it's, you know, Patrick does a, a bulk of the production because I still have the Hamilcast to do production wise. He does a zillion percent of the production, but we watch these documentaries and we take notes, which takes hours, but we basically have two podcasts for true crime obsessed. So one is the regular feed mm -hmm. and then we have a whole separate feed for the Patreon supporters. And so that oh. is two podcasts. So we have a completely different series. So we'll do like the jinx and making a murderer and like things that are long-term documentary series, yeah. uh, long form, I should say. And then we have the regular free feed. So we're doing two podcasts. And then um, we were doing for a time, a podcast about one of the greatest shows of all time, my so-called life. Oh, I've never heard of it. You've never heard of my so-called life. No. Have you heard it? Oh my God. My so-called life is one. How were you watching MTV in the nineties and you didn't know about my so-called life? I don't know. Well, it was, it was, it's <laughs> I was like, too busy watching the real world. All right. Well, it's, it was like the, it was just teen angst. It was Claire Danes and, and uh, Jared Leto. Okay, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know those guys. And it, it was canceled after 14 or 16 episodes in, in the biggest cliffhanger ever. It's the great, like, I hope your listeners are you now screaming at home <laughs> being like, Corey, how do you not know about my so-called life? So we had my so-called podcast. So I was doing the Hamilcast and then we were doing true crime obsessed, which is two podcasts. And then we were doing my so-called pod uh, and Patrick and I split the editing on that. So that was a lot. And so now uh, Ted and Michael has in, in a way like replaced my so-called podcast where it's like the Hamilcast, two versions of TCO and then Ted and Michael. Wow. You know, I, I want to get into, I want to ask about how you've been able to monetize. It's such an interesting model of, so you have the, the, the stream, the free stream, mm -hmm. but then you have your Patreon stream. What is the difference between what's on your free stream and what's on the Patreon stream. Right. So uh, the Patreon stream is for $5 for a True Crime Obsessed, you get um, just that whole second feed. So if we'll do a documentary about, you know, Studio 54 mm -hmm. or or just that they're kind of like one off for the with the exception of like Wild Wild Country, which okay. we like doubled up or whatever it is. Or uh, there was another one that we did. Oh, the, the Ted Bundy tapes. Ugh. Um, I'm so excited to not be talking about Ted Bundy. <laughs> anymore he's such a piece of garbage um so those things we would do you know like an episode covering two episodes of the netflix series okay but for the patreon feed it's all these things that people were begging us to cover like the first season of serial uh the jinx making a murderer um and it was just it's a way for people to i guess get that extra content so then we also do for the ten dollar thing you get all of that the ten dollar tier you get all of that and just like random bonus episodes if we just feel like cracking open some wine and talking about like what happened and then earlier in the earlier in the patreon we were doing like madonna's truth or dare just like random documentaries we yeah. wanted to cover before we landed on like oh no this is where we're doing the real the long-term series because it just makes sense. Uh, and so for the $10 tier, you get all of our, um, the regular feed ad free, plus all the Patreon content. 
And when you sign up for Patreon, you get everything instantly. So it's like you sign up for Patreon, you have like 85 episodes, like a backlog of true crime episodes. Well, that's, that's such a smart model. But I, I think that's something a lot of people in the podcasting space are trying to figure out. I call this the Napster era of podcasting. Totally. Where we know that people want this content. We know there's a huge audience and a growing audience, mm-hmm. but people are trying to figure out, so you know, how do I listen to this and how do I make this? But then uh, how do I make money off of this? I know yeah. that I enjoyed the, I want to do this for a living. That's a very interesting model that I have never heard. Yeah. And look, it's, there's no secret. Like Patrick and I both get emails either to uh true crime obsessed or the Hamill cast or just us independently. Cause Patrick's been podcasting for so long. Like these people who want to like hang out and like pick our brains and figure out. And I, I just, just said to him the other day, I was like, there is no secret. You work your ass off all the time. Yeah, You're working constantly and you work super, super hard and you work continuously. And that's how it happens. And maybe it won't happen. Like maybe a podcast won't stick or whatever. But if you find something that sticks and it finds something like the Hamilcast, I love, I'm going to do the Hamilcast forever. It was never going to be my livelihood, but I didn't go into it to be my livelihood. You know what I mean? I went into it because I needed to talk about Hamilton with other people. And then suddenly like, Tommy Kale and Lynn Manuel Miranda and Alex Lacamoire in my living room. Like it's and Mandy Gonzalez and all the, all these amazing people. Like that's different. It's a completely different thing. Well, I, I tell, I consult now for folks who are getting into podcasting and I tell them that from the very beginning, you, t- you touched on it where I say, don't get into your show thinking about money. No, it's, imp- I mean, like, it's impossible. You have to love the concepts and the topic mm-hmm. because that's the thing that's going to keep you in it. You yeah. know? Like if you're in it for the ratings or in it for money or whatever, no. like those things are will never last. You have to love the topic that you're talking about, genuinely care about the person that you're interviewing and wanting to learn and can be, you have to be consistent. And the only way you're going to be consistent is if you love it. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's like, there is no secret. There's no like, what's the thing? You work really hard. <laughs> like that's it like it's that's it's not a secret right, and then right. it's not just podcasting it's everything like if you if this is what if you want to do the thing you work really hard at doing the thing and that's it and sometimes you have to have a side gig or whatever it is like fine but if you want to keep making the thing like i said with the Hamilcast, it's never going to be my job and i'm fine with that and, but it could be it could be but the, you know it, it's so it's so niche at this point you know hamilton's been around for so long and i'm still you know things are brewing with the Hamilcast right now that are incredible and amazing and i can't believe my life with the Hamilcast. yeah but at the same time it's like true crime obsessed we have ads and we have business calls and we have that and i'm like oh okay so it's the same thing like i pivoted and i'm like well that's the thing now and i love doing that right and so it's like oh okay it wasn't what i picture when I was younger, which I actually can't even remember what like my like what I want to be when I grow up. Like, I don't even know what that is anymore because I don't know if I ever really had one. Um, and then I just kind of made it up. And now here I am. Now we are at this part of the show. Yeah. That I don't think I prepared you for. No, but I'm OK. Here we go. We're on right. a wild ride. OK. So this is our segment that we have on every episode where we ask. It's called our podcasters picks mm-hmm. uh, where we ask today's subject to give me three podcasts mm-hmm. that you are a fan of that we should be listening to and describe them to us. Okay. Um, I love Undisclosed, which I mentioned before, which okay. is uh, Robbie Chaudhary. And Robbie Chaudhary is the woman who brought the Adnan Syed case to Serial. Okay. So she's also the the one of the executive producers, along with Amy Berg, of the case against Adnan Syed on HBO. And she and Susan Simpson and Colin Miller, they have brought... They just cover a zillion cases and wrongfully convicted people. And it's just, they're amazing. They're all geniuses. Please listen to Undisclosed. They're amazing. Okay. Uh, Broadway Backstory is my probably favorite podcast. It's It was Patrick Hines' podcast, one of his podcasts before, which is, it's a documentary style podcast about how a Broadway show, how the how it went from an idea to actually being on Broadway. Okay. Um, Ooh, the, that's, that's very interesting. It's amazing. And he knows so much about Broadway and the interviews he gets. And it's, it's a beautifully done documentary style um, podcast okay. that I love. Um, and my third one... I can't believe I almost forgot my girls, uh, Ashley and Britt at crime junkie crime junkie is, um, a very straightforward true crime podcast where they explain these cases in the most accessible and like kind and real approachable, not scary ways. Like it's two women who you're like, 
they're really nice and awesome. I want to be friends with them. And if you're interested in cases, they they present it in a way that is so easy to understand because sometimes these true crime cases are super complicated mm-hmm. and it's also not scary. Like you're not going to have nightmares listening after listening to Crime Junkie. Okay. And they're also like the best women ever. So uh, Ashley and Britt over at Crime Junkie. Dope, dope. And lastly, the last question that we have, mm-hmm. Jillian, why do you podcast? Oh, because I can't not podcast. That's the answer. Because I, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't podcasting. Is that a cop out? No. It just like, feels like. That's like the best answer. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like what I mean, I would feel I would feel super empty if I if I didn't. I, I honestly wouldn't know what to do with myself if I wasn't podcasting. <laughs> wow. That, that's like the most uh, the best answer I think we've gotten. <laughs> All I would need is like to be to be like petting to be in like like laying in a sea of dogs whilst podcasting. That would that's the ultimate dream. But yeah, no, podcasting and dogs. That's my life. Wow. But, but Jillian, thank you so much for being <laughs> on the show today. Corey, thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. You rock. You rock. Thank you so much. We out. Thank you all so much again for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Jillian Pensavali. I'll provide the links for you to True Crime Obsessed and Hamilcast in the description of this episode. This episode was mixed by Mark Bird. Music for this podcast was produced by Richie Quake. And lastly, before we get out of here, be sure to check out my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And I provide the link for you in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pop bless. Till next time. 